Hello listeners. Welcome to Mini Lectures in Otorhinolaryngology by Dr. Yashveer JK. Today we will be talking about infectious and granulomatous diseases of nose. Rhinitis is broadly divided into infective and non-infective rhinitis. Among the non-infective we have allergic and vasomotor or non-allergic rhinitis whereas infective is subdivided into acute and chronic acute and chronic rhinitis is further divided on the basis of etiology into specific and non-specific in acute specific we have diseases like diphtheria syphilis gonorrhea whereas acute non specific are mainly viral bacterial or irritative rhinitis in chronic the chronic specific we have tuberculosis rhinoscleroma fungal infections rhinosporidiosis and in chronic non specific we have atrophic rhinitis and rhinitis sicca in today's episode <clears throat> I'm going to discuss few of them. So, you're going to now listen in brief about atrophic rhinitis, rhinitis sicca, rhinosteroma and rhinosporidiosis. Let us begin with atrophic rhinitis. Atrophic rhinitis or oziana is a chronic inflammatory disease of nasal mucosa. which is characterized by progressive atrophy of mucosa and turbinates along with formation of crusts and foul smell from the nose it can be classified on the basis of etiology to primary atrophic rhinitis and secondary atrophic rhinitis secondary is due to other diseases which is like leprosy and on the basis of histopathology it can be divided into type 1 and type 2 atrophic rhinitis type 1 is more commoner where endarteritis obliterans periarteritis and periarteriolar fibrosis of the terminal arterioles are seen so in these patient vasodilatory agents like a estrogen therapy will help whereas type 2 is less common and is associated with capillary vasodilation histologically both the types we see squamous metaplasia which is a regular feature of this disease now coming to primary atrophic rhinitis the exact cause is not known but probably there are many predisposing factors it is seen commonly in the age group of 15 to 40 years females are more affected in etiology we have hereditary factors because it involves more than a member in a family endocrinal factors because it starts at puberty females are more affected than males white and yellow races are more commonly involved nutritional deficiency has also been documented like vitamin a d and iron deficiency 
Some organisms have also been isolated from the mucosa like Klebsiella oziana, diphtheroids, Proteus vulgaris and E. coli. Some also say about the autoimmune component because antigen released from the nasal mucosa can initiate a destructive process. Now coming to the clinical features of atrophic rhinitis. Patients will usually have complaints of nasal obstruction in spite of a wide nasal cavity seen. This kind of nasal obstruction is mainly due to crusting and loss of sensation of the nasal mucosa to the airflow. Blackish brown crusts are seen all around the nasal cavity. Foul smell from the nose is also a complaint. There can be epistaxis when these patients try to remove this crust. Headache and dryness of nose and throat because this atrophic crusting can even extend up to nasopharynx and throat. Another term I want to mention here is merciful anosmia. Now, this term is widely used in relation to atrophic rhinitis because the foul smell arising from the nose is not felt by the patient himself because he has lost the sensations because of atrophy and people around the patient will get this foul smell and have mercy on him. That is why this term is mentioned as merciful anosmia. On examination, the bridge of the nose may be depressed. Nasal cavities are very roomy because of atrophy of the turbinates. There may be septal perforation and lot of crusts may be seen on examination. Mucosa may be pale, dry and atrophic. Doing a posterior rhinoscopy is much easier in a patient with atrophic rhinitis. They say if you want to learn posterior rhinoscopy, a patient of atrophic rhinitis is the best to begin with. You will see roomy posterior end of the nose along with crust and dry mucosa. Complications of atrophic rhinitis are recurrent sinusitis, middle ear infections because of crust blocking the eustachian tube function, atrophic pharyngitis, external nasal deformities, psychological issues and finally maggots or nasal miasis. Differential diagnosis for atrophic rhinitis is rhinitis sicca or atrophic stage of rhinosteroma or sometimes it can be leprosy and syphilis and tuberculosis. Though the diagnosis is mainly a clinical diagnosis, we can supplement this with the x-ray of paranasal sinus along with biopsy to know the histological type, 
dermatological examination to rule out leprosy and VDRL to rule out syphilis. Treatment can be either medical or sometimes even surgical management is tried. Though the medical management is the mainstay, the local and systemic different management is there. In the local management, the main aim is to reduce the crust, to prevent fetal, to keep the nasal cavity clean and moist. So we use alkaline nasal douche or alkaline nasal wash of the nasal cavities where we take around 280 ml of water and use sodium bicarbonate one part that is 28 grams, sodium biborate one part around 28 grams and sodium chloride that is salt two parts. So we mix this solution and ask the patient to wash his nose by pushing this solution from one nasal cavity and trying to get it out from the other and vice versa. While doing nasal douching, patient is asked to say the letter K, K, K so that the solution does not go into the nasopharynx or oropharynx. After alkaline nasal douche, a 25% glucose in glycerin paste can be painted to the nasal cavity which inhibits the proteolytic organism and prevents the foul smell. Also, estradiol sprays can also be used in patients of type 1 histological type of atrophic rhinitis. Chemicetin anti-oziana cream which includes chloramphenicol, estradiol, vitamin D2 and propylene glycol was also used but unfortunately it's not available in market anymore. Placental extracts have been locally infiltrated or intramuscularly injected. It induces body's vital capacity of regeneration and resorption against pathogenic factors. Among the systemic treatment, high protein diet, oral antibiotics, vitamin A, vasodilators and potassium iodides. Vasodilators increase blood supply and potassium iodide increases nasal secretions. Some surgeries are also tried to reduce the problems of atrophic rhinitis. Surgeries aims to reduce the size of nasal cavity, that is, submucosal implants of Teflon, silicon, or cartilage, or dermofat, submucosal injection of placental extract, Lutenslager's operation where medialization of lateral nasal wall is done, and also vestibular plasty. So, all these will reduce the size of the nasal cavity. Then there are surgeries to reduce the air entry that is Young's operation where the nasal vestibule is completely closed for 6 to 8 months. So one after other the nasal cavities are blocked and it is opened after 6 to 8 months. So to reduce the problems of Young's operation the modification of the operation that is modified Young's operation was also tried where both the nasal cavities are partially closed at the vestibule level and this closure is also opened up after a few months. Surgeries to increase local nasal secretions that like 
stellate ganglion block cervical sympathectomy transfer of stenson's duct into maxillary sinus that is witmac operation and transfer of maxillary antral mucosa in to the nasal cavity that is raghav sharan's operation are also tried now a word about nasal miasis or maggots in the nose which is more commonly seen in patients with atrophic rhinitis so miasis is a well organized infestation in human or vertebrate animals with dipterous larvae which at least for a certain period of time feed on host dead or living tissue liquid body substance or ingested food so seen in patients with poor hygiene especially atrophic rhinitis suppurative rhinitis suppurative sinusitis comatose patients and malignancy of maxilla so in maggots in patients of maggots we admit them and do manual removal in stage wise manner because the eggs of chrysomia bezania are laid which forms the larvae and forms the maggot these flies are attracted to the foul smell in the nose and they come get attracted to the nose and because of loss of sensation to the patient due to atrophic rhinitis they even don't they don't even come to know about this flies being there in the nasal cavity and then these eggs hatch on different days and they forms the dipterous larvae which is also called as maggots or nasal miasis the manual removal with hospitalization and higher antibiotics is the way to treat nasal miasis in patients with atrophic rhinitis now i'm going to introduce to another disease called as rhinitis sicca this disease is characterized by drying and crusting affecting mainly the anterior portion of the nasal cavity these are seen in persons working in dry hot and dusty environment like bakers rubber factory workers furnace workers or bottle factory workers it is confined to the anterior part of the nose where ciliated columnar epithelium undergoes squamous metaplasia with atrophy of seromucinous glands crust formation on anterior part of the nose is seen they also present with similar complaints like atrophic rhinitis there may be septal perforation and foul smell alkaline nasal douching is the treatment of choice along with change of environment or job which is to be identified and additionally advised to the patient now coming to our another disease of today's mini lecture that is rhinosteroma rhinosteroma is a progressive granulomatous disease of nose extending into nasopharynx and oropharynx sometimes even the larynx and trachea and bronchi are also involved causative agent of rhinosteroma is klebsiella rhinosteromatosis which is a gram negative frisch bacillus this disease runs through following stages the first stage or the catarrhal stage where thick 
glue-like discharge is seen in the nasal cavities and because of this thick consistency it is also called as carpenter's glue then the second stage is the atrophic stage which resembles atrophic rhinitis where crus and foul smelling discharge is seen over the septum and inferior turbinates the third stage is the granulomatous or nodular stage where non ulcerative nodules develop which gives a mass like effect in the nose and bilateral involvement is seen along with nasal mass mainly in the anterior part of the nose which is termed as hebra nose the final stage or the fourth stage is the cicatrial cicatrical stage where adhesions and stenosis develops in the nasal cavity destroying its normal anatomy and also the external deformity where there is narrowing and this kind of a nose is called as tapir nose this disease may also extend to maxillary sinus lacrimal sac nasopharynx and hard palate serological test that is complement fixation test is used to diagnose this condition but the diagnostic investigation of choice which confirms rhinosteroma is the biopsy of the tissue and microscopic examination so under microscopy we see a granulomatous tissue infiltrates the submucosa and shows presence of eosinophils and lymphocytes two important terms used in the histology of this specimen is the foam smells foam cells that is mucolytic cell which is a round or oval macrophage with a small nucleus that is found in the nodules of the rhinosteroma and contains the causative bacterium that is klebsiella rhinosteromatis or fresh bacillus the other thing what we see in the histology is the russell body which are eosinophilic spherical or globular cytoplasmic inclusions that accumulate in the rough endoplasmic reticulum of mature plasma cells these plasma cells containing russell body are also known as mott cells once this disease is proven by biopsy treatment treatment should be intense medical treatment where streptomycin 1 mg 1 g per day or tetracycline 2 g per day or in combination of both to be given for 4 to 6 weeks additionally rifampicin 450 mg per day for 6 week has also achieved good results 2% acriflavin solution for 8 weeks have also been tried which kills the bacilli but remember it has to be used only in 2% form because a 5% solution is also available which can cause more damage to the nasal cavity like epistaxis and vestibulitis and septal perforation steroids have also been used especially in the cicatrical stage to reduce fibrosis and 
also short course radiotherapy also has been tried in rhinoceroma patients for cosmetic deformities of the nose and for fibrosis of the nasal cavity plastic reconstructive surgeries and recanalization of the nasal cavities have also been done as a surgical procedure now coming to the last topic of the day that is rhinosporidiosis this organism was previously considered to be a fungus because it had fungal like characters and was classified under fungal disease in icd10 classification but now it is considered to be a protist and is classified under mesomycetozoa which is more a aquatic organism so the causative organism is mainly rhinosporidium cibri and the other organism which can cause similar disease is rhinosporidium kineli males are more affected in comparison to females it is common in farmers and country dwellers trauma to the nasal mucosa which causes breach in the mucosa which is more in the nasal vestibule is the probable predisposing factor geographically it is seen more in the cost, coastal area of tropical countries like india bangladesh sri lanka africa and south america mode of transmission is waterborne or airborne the infected spores are transmitted by cattle and horse through feces which pollutes the water in the ponds or air so ponds where these animals are being bathed are at high risk and if the humans enter these ponds for bathing along with the traumatic nasal mucosa then these pores can get entry into the human system the spores once enter through this traumatized nasal mucosa multiply in the submucosal layer to form sporangia and once they burst the spores come out through the germinal pore and spills into the tissue causing hyperplasia and polypoidal vascular mass so the patient will present with partial or complete nasal obstruction with thick nasal discharge and severe epistaxis due to the nasal mass nasal cavity will show a vascular mass which is mulberry like and polypoidal bleeds heavily on touch very friable and may be studded with whitish dots which is why it is called mulberry like it may extend to the other nasal cavity and pharynx more commonly it is seen in the septum then next commonly it is seen in the floor of the nose and lateral wall of nose which are the other areas to be involved in the nasal cavity other than the nasal cavities it can also involve lips palate conjunctiva epiglottis trachea bronchi 
vulva and vagina also all these areas can come into contact while having a bath in the infected pond microscopic examination of the nasal discharge and biopsy showing vascular fibromyxomatosis are the diagnostic feature again the clinical diagnosis is more confirmatory stains with kvh stain and subrods culture media have been tried though it is difficult to culture now coming to treatment treatment of rhinosporidiosis is very tricky it is easy to excise but there is very high chances of recurrence so to prevent recurrence what we do is we do a wide base surgical excision along with cauterization of the base to prevent recurrence injection of steroid into the area of its attachment have also been tried if there is extensive disease with multiple areas of involvement then dapson 100 mg once a day is to be given for at least 1 year amphotericin b in low doses have also been tried so friends we have seen in brief about atrophic rhinitis rhinoceroma rhinosporidiosis and rhinitis sicca thank you happy listening and happy learning have a good day see you again with another episode soon